Well, thank you very much. That, thanks for what's obviously an interesting series and for those of you who are attending the, the different talks and seminars and discussions. I, I was just, just sort of thinking for a minute about um, rhino horns and things then um, and where I might get some. Uh, but <laughs> environmentalists would undoubtedly do me over, so, so I won't. It did strike me, however, that in the discussions about the whole issues of privacy, of identity, of what's happening on the internet and, and how we can safeguard ourselves and, and others, we, we need actually to mobilise the kind of civil society forces that were present when Facebook wanted to be able to keep people's information and believe they had the right to use it. And we need to mobilise particular groups who have an interest, like, like the Green Movement, in terms of uh, what's happening in other spheres. In other words, that this is a, a mechanism for communication. It isn't a sphere in its own right. And I want to try and sort of illustrate that a little bit tonight in terms of the fact that whilst the world appears to be a very different place because of uh, the World Wide Web and the Internet and the access it brings, actually many of the issues are very old ones and the debates that are being had are, are similar to the debates we had uh, centuries ago, the, the debates of, uh, around uh, the philosophies of Rousseau or, or John Stuart Mill and the way in which we, we translate those in the 21st century into an entirely new environment. I, I was actually going to say, seeing that Charlie was here, that anything you say will be taken down and used in evidence against you, uh, but wherever we go now, something's being taken down and will in due course be used in evidence because wherever I speak or whichever pub or restaurant I'm sitting in, I now make a presumption that somebody's recording me on their iPhone, um, either, verbal, either in terms of oral or visuals. And I think we just have to assume that. And I also have to assume that I'm being tapped, uh, not by the government, but by the News of the World or some other media organisation. Um, lots of my friends have been, and much of the information about me uh, about six years ago was obtained in that way. So we, we, we're going through a, a different experience. Uh, you pre previously presumed that somebody would know your business if you posted it up or the local postal service opened the envelopes on the way, which incidentally is not unknown. Uh, I was thinking the other day about the old telephone networks. I don't imagine anybody in this room other than me will remember party lines where your neighbour used to listen in to the conversation if it was of any interest uh, and even before that the days when uh, you had to use the local exchange you had to ring in to the local exchange and they would put you through to your number and there were many a comedy program and quite a lot of serious debate about just how much the person at the exchange listened into and sometimes actually interrupted <laughs> the calls that you were making now, the, the world has moved on since then, and with it, a much greater understanding of our rights to privacy and the debate about the protection, not just of our own information, but also of our identity in that transnational global environment. And I think it has brought home to us just how important owning our own identity is. It's also raised issues about role of government, and I need to just address those tonight because obviously I've been deeply involved and I keep coming across people who think I invented things that I didn't do. Um, Section 44 was nothing to do with me. 
Uh, I didn't invent RIPA, I tried to sort it out. For those of you who are not experts in this area, that's the Regulatory Investigatory Powers Act, which is a good example of how government can do what appears to be right and then get it incredibly wrong, or at least appear to. The, the RIPA was brought in uh, in 2000 because there was no regulatory framework and it was felt that it was necessary to restrict who had access to information that was legitimately held but not legitimately exchanged and that there needed to be some legal framework. So it gets brought in. I came into the Home Office and found that great chunks of it hadn't been implemented and I was lumbered with doing it. And for those of you who have not heard this story before, I think it's quite in informative as to how we muddle through because we're human beings. Uh, one of the junior ministers had put up a consultation paper on how this should be operated and it caused the most enormous storm because all the organisations that thought they had a right to actually access and exchange information were listed. And my son had just done a computer science degree at Nottingham and was working for a large uh, multinational company and is vehemently in favour of privacy and gave me a really hard time on all sorts of fronts. But on this one, he simply rang me up and said, Dad, if you want to be the most unpopular person in Britain, and I was working on it at the time, um, then you carry on with the order that's being laid and the consultation in its present form. And because I always listen to my family, if not to anybody else, I withdrew it and started again. Now, since then, of course, there's been extensions to Ripper, there have been a loosening of it, local authorities got involved in putting uh, cameras in people's bins. I mean, they won't be able to afford to after today anyway, so <laughs> you'll be spared that. Uh, in fact, people won't have bins, they'll have to <laughs> just use cardboard boxes, which will be collected annually. Um, we, we, we found that it, it's necessary to return to it. There's a kind of creep all the time in everything we do. And I just wanted to raise two or three things about the nature of personal responsibility, the nature of business activity, and the nature of government's responsibility. I mean, individually, we have an absolute obligation to try and know about and to take actions to protect ourselves. But, but even despite the major efforts that have been put in since Get Safe Online was first put together uh, and uh, there's a Get Safe Online week in November. I, I, I'm in danger of talking about things that may well have been covered already, not just tonight, but yesterday. No, not yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that's a relief anyway. Um, the, we, we, we've had campaigns. We've, we've had Martha Lane Fox, whose role changes weekly, uh, going out to encourage people to get online. Uh, we've had uh, scare stories and people learn about things, and still it seems not to have a major impact on the way that people behave. Young people know more about uh, the internet and access and what can be done with devices than I will ever know. But they're also much more inclined to believe that uh, it's perfectly reasonable and normal to exchange information that most of us would never have dreamt of <coughs> posting on the local lamppost uh, or putting out on old-fashioned um, uh, radio sets that people used to experiment with, like CB radios. Nobody would ever have dreamt of doing it. I found out the other day that 
you can now uh, pick up where someone is when they send their photographs from iPhones or mobiles uh, onto Facebook. There's now a device that can ensure that girlfriends can know where their boyfriends are, which is going to be interesting, uh, as well as what they're actually posting, um, which will bring a whole new vision to the wife of the new head of MI6 when she posted on Facebook him in his swimming costume. Uh, we could have tracked him down and found... Well, actually, I imagine Ian Duncan Smith at this very moment is getting his hands on this so we can track benefit fraudsters to know precisely when they're on holiday, when they're supposed to be incapacitated. So there's going to be some interesting quirks. I'm using it just as an example to try and lighten the load. But what people can know about us where we are, what we're doing, is exponential. We know about loyalty cards, we know about credit cards, we know about government databases, we know about what the press would like to know, and we know what businesses would like to know about each other. And the mechanisms for doing it have just transformed beyond all imagination. And I just want to say tonight that, that the scale of it is so great that we've got to come to terms with, firstly, whether it is possible to protect and how. Secondly, who should do that? Us as individuals, as I've said already, uh, helping ourselves, businesses that don't yet understand how important it is to get others to help them, to be able to draw down the expertise that exists, including simple uh, beneficial efforts in terms of no card required online transactions, and what government can do as both the, uh, the poacher and the gamekeeper. And what I mean by that is that government clearly are seen as an infringer of people's identity, a danger in terms of privacy, and yet government have an absolutely key role in both informing, educating, and in terms of protecting. And I'm so relieved that uh, whatever else I think about the present coalition, they are taking cyber uh, hit, cyber crime, cy organized cy cyber activity, and the danger of nation-to-nation -nation cyber attack very seriously in a way that I desperately tried to get uh, the government that I supported uh, to undertake. We, be we made some progress. We got the Office of Cyber Security and the new activity at Cheltenham set up. Uh, we, we got uh, people in place who did at least know something about it. But uh, whether it's new or old money, uh, the present government have allocated us from earlier this week um, money that will actually be used to help in terms of dealing with that cyber threat. And I think that's very valuable. We've had uh, the, uh, the speech by the current director of GCHQ, uh, Ian Loban, We've had a very interesting article put out by um, Charlie's boss, the Met Commissioner, and we've had the National Security Strategy, part three of which does substantially deal with cyber. But even when you read these documents, you still get staggered. I mean, I didn't know that in the Beijing Olympics, they experienced 12 million attempted cyber hits per day, per day, during the Olympic and Paralympic Games. I mean, that is just a staggering figure. And when I raised the issue 
uh, 18 months ago of the potential for bringing down the Olympic Games, ticketing, travel, holiday bookings, everything to do with the normal activity, including the security measures, I was asked not to speak about it in case the criminals or organized crimesters or even other nations got the idea as though they <coughs> hadn't thought about it before, uh, which was a bit strange. When I raised the issue of, uh, of what might be happening in some of our major industries when we bought pieces of equipment from China, I've got nothing against us buying things from China, you just have to be aware of the clever and very sophisticated way in which they're operating in this area, uh, whether it would be sensible for, say, a telecom company to buy the cheapest uh, rather than to examine what was potentially at risk. Um, uh, it was also poo-pooed. A, a leading uh, executive of a major water company told me that I was completely zany to believe uh, that the water supply could uh, electronically be switched off by uh, a piece of equipment that could easily be installed uh, in the supply system. Well, earlier this summer, something called Stuxnet uh, was revealed as having been designed specifically for industrial control equipment so that you can actually do all those things that I've just been talking about uh, with, without anybody knowing that equipment's been installed. And as has r rightly been said very recently, uh, what we can do to Iran, Iran can do to us. So the idea that you can switch off nuclear power stations but they won't do something back to us is naive in the extreme. Now, all of this obviously... Uh, can be seen as very highfalutin, what's it to do with us? Well, of course, botnets, the remote uh, control, uh, the uh, machinery for multiple hits, is responsible for stealing. In, this is just, just in the last year, 12.7 million credit card details worldwide. I mean, just one, one botnet, that's just one particular operator, 12.7 million. And I think if we get that across, we'll, we'll understand what, we, what we've got to deal with and we'll start to appreciate that we've both got to hold government to account for what they're doing in the public arena, but we've also got to get to grips with the enormity of what government should do in terms of protecting us from what otherwise would be uh, the Wild West and lots of people have compared what's happening uh, with the Wild West in the US in, in the 19th century. Uh, the trouble with the Wild West in the 19th century was that uh, the sheriffs were often as bad as the people they were arresting. Um, the trouble with the Wild West, as it still is in America, is that people decided that freedom involved equipping yourself uh, with fighting back on the doorstep. And that's why I think there was a lecture, it was last night, wasn't it, Bob Ayers, who was very entertaining, um, sort of posed the question uh, as to whether government aren't actually the major danger. And uh, I said to him, because I met him later last night, that um, he was wrongly comparing the burglar with the authorised police warrant. In other words, if somebody comes into your house and steals something, they are clearly a burglar. If somebody comes and steals your information or your identity, they are cle clearly thieving. If somebody is authorised 
to take action and there is a way of redress as there is with the police in terms of getting a warrant to investigate or to intrude of course you have to be vigorous about that of course you have to hold them to account for that you have to have a method of overseeing what they're doing just as we do with intercept and surveillance but you have to have some mechanism for that to happen otherwise you won't have a policing service you won't have a security backup at all and to compare the two as though they're like with like just actually makes a nonsense of any kind of sensible governmental and governance system so I'm, I'm making a plea really that we, we, we don't lose our marbles that we are very very vigilant about what government does but we recognize that at least government in a democracy can be held to account I mean the activities of um, Privity International of Liberty and of No to ID were incredibly effective and the great thing about a democracy is you can get rid of a government. I, I, I believed in the things that I did when I was Home Secretary in the nearly four years on the back of some very difficult questions arising out the 11th of September. But I also accepted the right of the British people to say that that had gone too far or they were against them and they could be removed. And the free exchange of information and the campaigns that were run were very effective in raising those key issues and the government uh, are re reviewing and reassessing that balance. My only request is that the balance doesn't swing too far the other way because the great danger in all, all our lives in, in, in government and in politics generally is that the pendulum just swings from one extreme to another. So my theme tonight is that we're all astronauts or if you're Russian, cosmonauts, uh, in cyberspace, but we don't get trained like they did, and we don't have the breathing apparatus sometimes to survive. So we need to, ex uh, to, to assess how in private we are able to protect what is rightly ours. How can we design a system so that our privacy is protected by ourselves and we know the mechanisms to do it, that our identity can be protected from people abusing and misusing it. My identity was stolen by the BBC a few years ago. Some of you will have heard this story, but it's still worth telling, um, along with Frederick Forsyth, the author, uh, so that they could get driving licenses for both of us in our name. Now, I didn't mind him driving, but me driving <laughs> is a bit, you know, a bit too much. Um, and it was very easy to get it. Uh, and in fact to issue it. There are two states in the United States where a blind person can get uh, a gun license. One of those two states, a blind person can actually drive a car, I mean this is true, can drive a car, and as somebody said rather waggishly, in that state, once you'd shot something, the question would be, how did the blind person find what they'd shot and then how did they get it to the car and then how did they manage to ensure that the car got back to where it was that they wanted to take it any answers to that please send on the internet rather than on a postcard uh, I don't want us to end up in a situation of total uh, restriction and I don't want us to end up in a situation of a total free-for-all so we've got to find a sensible balance where we understand the dangers 
where we uh, hold to account those who are, uh, whether they're providers uh, of services uh, or businesses selling us services, or whether it's government departments and agencies, uh, or w whether it's uh, overseas interests, we are able to hold to account and to regulate and to protect ourselves in the public arena, and that we're able to protect ourselves sensibly as private individuals. And I think it is possible to do that. I think the developments that are taking place at the moment with mechanisms that would make it possible for us to have a sensible system in the NHS for uh, electronic records, but to give the power of the disposal and the tran transfer of those records uh, in the hands of the individual is perfectly feasible and that we should look to be able to do it. Uh, I think it's perfectly feasible for us to decide that there might be another method of ensuring that children on free school meals don't get embarrassed by having to reveal the fact when they uh, go to pick up their, their, their lunch uh, without necessarily using fingerprinting to do it, although it was a good idea at the time for schools to actually stop the deep embarrassment and worry of, of other more clumsy systems of identifying someone's specific need. We need to think these things through and have a really sensible debate. And I think it might now be possible to do so because I feel that the frenzy of the last two years about these questions has somewhat died down. It's partly because uh, there are government ministers who have declared that they're more libertarian uh, than Noel Chomsky and therefore it is possible that they may be heard when eventually they, they come out with uh, statements that actually reinforce that we do need uh, sensible action by government and it's partly that the enormity of the challenge that faces us has now been recognised more generally as well. I hope so because I do actually believe that if we can get this right we can use the, the facility and the technology and the changes that are available to us to make our lives better, uh, to make uh, the potential both as individuals and in commerce for a, a beneficial environment in, Brit in Britain to do business across the world, safe and secure, but open and free, uh, ensuring people's safety, but also removing unnecessary restrictions to actually make it a good place to do business and a good place to be able to live our lives in safety and security. And if we do that together, and we can have that debate together, uh, we, can, we can get it right. If we don't, then we will swing from one extreme to the other. We will just abuse each other and people will lose interest and switch off. And the young people who currently reveal just about anything you'd want to know about them will actually be the losers because the line will have been crossed and people, once they've crossed the line, won't be able to pull that back. And I do think that, for instance, the, uh, the, uh, the mayor of a small town in the US who rather endearingly put herself on my space in her underwear and then worried as to why people were unhappy about it and had revealed it is a thing of the past. It was a year or two ago, people are more aware, my space is old hat, but lots of new things that will change our world for good and bad will hit us in the next five to ten years. Together we can actually get it right, having a go at each other, 
and uh, I think we'll have that Wild West free-for-all. Thanks very much.